We are starting a new series this morning called Happy. And happiness is one of the great things of life. It's uh, a bit elusive. It can be a little uh, weird because we chase after happiness through so many different things. Um, Statistically speaking, though, we will never be happier than we were when we were kids. The happiness level right now is way higher at that end of the church than it is on this end of the church. And what's really funny to me is, since happiness is, I mean, statistically, you will never be happier than you are as a kid. That's the high point of the graph. The lowest point of happiness comes right after childhood in adolescence. So whatever it is that makes us happy when we're kids, all the zits and hormones of junior high just like eradicate it because it's just a hard dive going into junior high. And that really bums me out for all the kids. Um, And so most psychologists, though, anymore agree that the average human, at least American human, the number one goal we have in life is to be happy. And we spend our lives chasing happiness in so many different places. Uh, We think a better job will make us happy. Or maybe if we're more successful at our job, that'll make us happy. We think that meeting the right person and falling in love will make us happy. We think a certain lifestyle, maybe from that job success, like the better car, the nicer house, uh, the fancier countertops, some of that stuff will make us happy. Uh, Sometimes we think the dream vacation will make us happy. I mean, when I was looking at pictures for the background of this sermon series, I came across that and I was like, oh man, that just makes me happy. Like, I wish I were on that beach. Like, I want to be there right now. I can hear the ocean, can't you? Like, you can just be there. You know the waves lapping on your feet. Oh man, that is so good. And so we think some of these things will make us happy. One thing that makes me happy is when technology functions properly. Um, I was sitting here just a minute ago. Um, for those of you who don't know, right now we started a new thing last week where we're doing this live on Facebook right now. And so I started the recording right before I got up, and um, Julie Eason is like, hey, we're watching from Colorado. And I was like, that's awesome. Uh, Becky, your dad's watching right now, so hey, Ken. Um, so I, I was like, this is so neat. And I looked over at Abby with this big grin on my face, and I'm like, people are talking to me. This is for reals. Like, this is cool. And so I think this stuff is so neat. And so certain things make me happy, certain things make you happy, and so we kind of spin our lives kind of chasing after those things that we think will make us happy. And yet, what we find among most people is that we are never as happy as we want to be, or when we do find happiness, it never sticks around as long as we want it to. And when we find things that make us happy, we try to hold on to them, but it doesn't always work out that way. Now, one of the reasons for that is that the things that we are convinced will lead to a happier life don't always lead to a happier life. One of the most interesting things I've learned when I was preparing for this series was education and happy. There's a link between education and happiness, or at least so we think. Um, from the time I was in junior high, I got started getting told, you have got to get good grades, and you've got to you know, know what you want to do, and you've got to get into a good college, or else your life's just going to be a miserable train wreck. And maybe nobody said it to me in those terms, but that was the impression that I got. Like, if I didn't have all my ducks in a row, I would be miserable for the rest of my life. If I didn't nail those, like, eight years of high school and college, then nothing else was even going to be worth it, okay? And so now I'm a parent, and I start getting this thing, just watching parents parent their kids. Like, there's a weird worry that exists in parents, starting even when our kids are itty-itty-bitty. And we think, if our kids don't get good grades in kindergarten, they won't get into a good college, and if they don't get into a good, co- good college, then they won't get a good job. And if they don't get a good job, then they won't make any money. And if they don't make any money, they'll end up miserable and lonely living under a bridge. Or worse, back at home with me. 
And so we, we worry about this stuff, and so we tell our kids, and we kind of assume that you've got to do good in school, got to get a good education, because that will make your life better. That will lead you to a happy life. But statistically speaking, the more educated people are, the less happy they tend to be. Isn't that fascinating? That blows my mind because that totally destroys everything, every assumption about education that I've ever had. If you don't get it right in terms of schooling, you won't be happy. But it finds that the higher people go, the less happy they are. And that doesn't make sense because you'd think more education means you got more job options. So you can find a good job, right? That'll make you happy, but no. More education means higher paying jobs. Then you can buy all the stuff that'll make you happy, right? But that isn't the case. Or here's the one I think. You would think at least being more educated would enable you to make wiser decisions so that you can set yourself up to have a happier life, but yet none of that seems to be true. And so sometimes the things that we are chasing for happiness, the things that we are convinced will bring us happiness, even if we were to get those things, they don't deliver on the promises we thought that they would. Uh, for instance, a lot of people try to chase the past in order to be happy, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it, because if we were happiest in childhood, and then as adulthood we're not as happy, what's going to make us happy? We recreate the past, right? Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, I guess, uh, I had a piece of peach cobbler that Linda B. made that tasted so very much like my grandma's. And I mean, the second I smelled it and took that first bite, I was transported. I was in Barnhill, Illinois. It was 1992. It was Christmas. It was back when all of my family was still alive, when we all still went to my grandma's for this giant, big, all-day Christmas gathering, right? And it was before my grandma got dementia, and she still knew who all of us were, and she still decorated her house for Christmas, and she still made this, my grandma always made a punch on the, uh, with ice cream in the middle of it. It was kind of like a... Uh, almost like what we do at baby showers now, but she made that every Christmas, and I, ice cream and soda, yeah, sign me up, I was a kid, you know, and I, so I loved that, and so I mean, I'm there, you know, and that's a, like, it's not just the taste of the peach cobbler, which by the way, was amazing, but there's, there was a nostalgia that came along with those tastes and smells that took me back. And so we think if we can just recreate the past sometimes, if we can keep things the way they were when I was a kid, if I can go back, maybe then I'll be happy, but there's a couple problems with that. One is that the past is gone, and time is just relentless, and it's almost horrible that way. Life almost feels unfair in how time just keeps on passing, and no matter how much I try, I will never go back to those Christmases, and, and those Christmases had more wonder and awe and magic about them than any adult Christmas has been able to, to recreate. Second problem with trying to gain happiness from recreating the past is simply that the past probably wasn't as good as you remember it. There is a thing in us where we tend to sugarcoat the bad things of the past. We forget how bad they were, or at least we like stuff a silver lining around them. We think, okay, well, yeah, that happened, but at least, you know, oh, my girlfriend dumped me at the prom, but you know what? I learned a lot of things, and I, you know, I think I'm better for it, you know? But at the time, it was the worst thing that ever happened to you. And so we tend to, like, make the past a little prettier and a little shinier than it was. This is exactly why a lot of women have a second kid. Because anybody who's gone through it, been there, and seen it, okay, you ladies, you have a different perspective on it than us dads do. Because I have sat through childbirth two times uh, live. I've seen the videotape in science classes more times than I would like to admit. And so seeing it twice, everyone always says, it's such a beautiful thing. I didn't get that from it, okay? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just me, but I, didn't, I wasn't sitting there going, man, 
life, right? Man, this is magical. It was, it was a little bit more like a bloody war zone than a Hallmark card to me. And I'm, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like this is blowing my mind. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it's beautiful in that I got a kid out of it, and it was magical in that how God creates us to reproduce and make life from our own bodies. That's, that's really cool, but at the same time, not magical. I'm sorry, that's just my view of it, okay? And yet, with all the pain and all the things that can go wrong, every couple of years, Abby's like, you know, I think I'm ready to do that again. It's like, are you sure? Were you there? Like, what did they give you? What kind of drugs were you on? Because I, I need to get me an IV the next time I'm there. Maybe I would want to do it again a little more readily. I don't know. But, but, that, but we sugarcoat the past. And so we think, if I can just go back, that'll fix it. But that's another thing that we chase that doesn't deliver on the promise that we hope that it would. And so all that to be said, here is the main point of this series. Maybe we've made too much of happiness. You know, again, most people agree that it's kind of our number one goal in life, that we all just want to be happy. Above all else, we just want to have nice, happy lives. But maybe happiness was never meant to be that number one goal that we prop our lives up on. Maybe happiness was never meant to be this thing that had the weight to hold up every day of your life. And, and don't hear me wrong here. I am not saying happiness isn't great. I am not saying that you are bad for being happy. I am not saying you should stay away from things that will make you happy. I think we should pursue happiness. I think we should enjoy the moments when happiness comes. But I, all I am saying is happiness cannot be everything. And so uh, what we're going to talk about next week are the limits of happiness. Uh, on week three of this series, what we're going to talk about are sometimes how dangerous happiness can be when we make too much of it, when we try to make it the main thing that we hang our lives on. And in the final week, we'll kind of tie up all these loose ends, and we'll just talk about what is actually better than happiness. If happiness isn't that main thing, then what should we be doing with our lives, and what should we be doing with happiness? Because it's so great, how am I not supposed to want it all the time? But for the rest of today, I want to talk about the biggest problem we have with happiness— and it's not with happiness itself. Again, happiness isn't the thing that's bad. What's wrong is our perspective of happiness. And here's the most dangerous part of it, I think. It's that we think we deserve happiness. We have gotten to a point in our society where everybody talks about happiness. And, and some of the best or seemingly best advice that parents can give their kids is, we just want you to be happy. I mean, follow your heart, chase your dreams. We just want you to do whatever it is that makes you happy. And so we, we say that to so many people that that's all I heard growing up from teachers and whatnot. And so I think we've gotten to this point where we just kind of think we deserve happiness. And now it's worse because we look on social media and everybody else's lives look great. Everybody else's lives look pretty, and, and you know, everybody's living room is clean, and everybody kids, everybody's kids are ready on time and well-dressed, and they get a picture where they're all standing out in front of their house on Easter morning with, in their Sunday best, and you think, why can't my kids do that? My kids had breakfast on their Easter clothes before we even got out the door. And so we look at other people's lives, and they look great, and we forget that what happens on social media is a picture that people want us to see. What we don't see is all the pictures that were too blurry because the kids were like going crazy and you couldn't post those because you couldn't even tell who the kids were. So we look at life now and we just kind of assume, I deserve this. I deserve to be happy. I am owed by God, by people, by life, whatever you want to say. I am owed happiness. And, you know, we even like to think maybe it's because we're American that we're owed happiness because doesn't our Constitution say that we have the rights to life, liberty, and happiness? 
There it is. I was hoping somebody would catch that. It's not life, liberty, and happiness. We get life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, even the founding fathers knew that happiness can't be guaranteed. Even the founding fathers knew that happiness can't just be manufactured because we were born in a certain place. That's not how it works. Happiness just can't show up all the time. And yet, we think happiness should be ours. And so when it doesn't come, and for most of us, we're not happy all the time. And for most of us who had a good childhood, and I understand not everybody's top happiness level was in childhood, but for those of us who did have a great childhood, the adult life, if you don't figure this stuff out, it always just feels lacking. It always just feels like, why aren't these milestones taking me back to happiness? Yeah, I understand why junior high was rough. Yeah, I understand why college and all that sleepless nights was rough. But now that I'm married and have kids and have this life that thought, I thought would make me happy, why isn't, it, why isn't it doing it? Why isn't it cutting it? And so when we don't get happiness, we get angry and we get bitter. And if you're a believer in God, you get bitter at God because he's not handing you the thing that you are de- deserving of. If it's your, uh, the people in your life that you blame as your problem, the reason you don't have happiness, then you get mad at your family, your friends, your coworkers because they're ruining your life. They're stealing away what should be yours. And we get angry because we're not getting this thing that we deserve. And yet it's our belief that we deserve happiness that is the problem. It is our belief that we deserve happiness that keeps us frantically running from thing to thing to thing to find happiness after each thing fails to deliver. You know, it's like, I thought this car would make me happier, but it didn't. Guess I need a nicer car. I thought this house would make me happier. It didn't. Guess I need to remodel the house. I thought this job would make me happier. I guess I need to quit and get a different job. In fact, I got a friend who, they're like a serial job mover. Like they just always got a new job. Every six months they got a new job and they're just moving from thing to thing to thing. And it's like, why don't you sit? Why can't you enjoy? Because they're looking for that thing that makes their life feel complete. And I think they're hoping that it's going to be happiness. And so since we deserve happiness, we keep trying out all these things because we think eventually something has to work, right? If I'm deserving of happiness, if life is just supposed to grant me happiness, maybe I just got to line up the right combination of things in my life, and then it'll all work out. But what if, what if you and I don't deserve happiness? What if we don't deserve to be happy? What if we aren't owed by God, by life, by people, happiness? What if we aren't owed that by life? And I, I started thinking as I was just kind of pondering this topic of happiness and, and how does God fit into this and what does the Bible have to say about happiness. And the word happy, uh, at least in this context, is not in the Bible very often. You know, when they talk about being overly satisfied with your life, it's just not talked about a lot. In fact, in the New Testament, I can only find one thing that you and I were deserving of, and it's not great. Just give you a heads up on that. The one thing that we were deserving of, according to the, the New Testament, is not a good thing because it's not happiness that we deserve. According to the New Testament, we actually deserve death. Like, isn't that a downer? And you're like, oh, great, I thought you were going to talk about happiness. Fantastic. Now I come to church and you're like, you should die. That's not exactly what I was hoping for in terms of the uplifting happiness message. But, uh, you know, we'll get there, hopefully. And we have to go to this part, and I'll explain why in just a little bit. But it is very clear that what you and I really deserve out of life is nothing more than death. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, verses 23, I'm only going to hit a couple verses, so feel free not to grab a Bible. You'd probably spend more time flipping there than we'll actually spend reading. So here, let's just focus on this. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
For all have sinned, and the word all there, I mean, I did an extensive study of the original language of the New Testament and what Romans was written in right there, and that word all means all, every single one of us. All have sinned, all have fallen short of the standard of behavior that God desires for human beings. But then we get to Romans chapter 6, three chapters later, also verse 23, and it says, For the wages of sin is death. Now, wages is a word that means what you have earned, what you have worked toward. You know, when you put in a hard day's work, you, what you've earned is a paycheck. When you, when you work, uh, you know, for your allowance as a kid, what you have earned is whatever allowance mom and dad agreed to give you if you checked all the chores off your list, right? So wages are what you have earned. We didn't earn happiness. We don't deserve happiness. What we deserve, this says, what we have earned from life is death. And every person is a sinner. And so instead of happiness, the Bible tells us that we deserve something far less pleasant. Now, you might want to push back on that and say, no, I don't deserve death. And I think the reason this is so harsh for us is because the reason we think we deserve happiness is because we think, I'm generally a good person. Like, for the most part, I try to do good things. I know I'm not perfect. I've done bad things. But I think if you put all my bad things on one side of the scale and all my good things on the other side of the scale, I've probably done more good than bad. And so therefore, since I'm more good than bad, I'm mostly a good person, I should deserve for life to reward me for that. Why don't good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people? Don't you wonder that all the time? When you see good people's life just kind of tank and you see somebody who seems to be such a jerk and they just seem to be getting more money, more raises, more this, more that, everything seems to go their way. Like, that's how we think life should work. We are good, so we get good. And we are bad, so we get bad. But that's not exactly how things work. You see, life isn't exactly like a scale. And the good doesn't erase the bad or make up for the bad. Um, a better way to think of this, rather than how we think of life as kind of a scale, it's better to think of it like in the criminal system, the criminal justice system. Um, this is an example, it's obviously overly extreme, but it proves the point. Let's say every other day for 20 years I volunteered at a homeless shelter, and I was making beds, and I was doing laundry, and I was handing out food, and I was giving people, you know, maybe some financial counseling so they could get their, you know, lives back in order. I did that every other day for 20 years, that's like 3,650 days. And then one day, after 20 good years of doing good things, somebody just irks me the wrong way, I'm having a bad day, and I just beat the tar out of somebody with a bat. And I mean, they're like in the hospital, they're in terrible shape, I mean, and, and the police come and they arrest me for assault, and I go before the judge and I say, look, judge, come on. I had 3,650 3, really good days where I did only good things for these people. I only had one bad day. It's only one. One versus 3,650. 3, I mean, come on, right? What's he going to do? Go to jail, right? He's going to send me to jail. It doesn't matter. The good doesn't undo the bad. The good doesn't offset the bad. The bad is still a crime worthy of punishment, regardless of what, how much other good you have done. That is how God views our life. Every sin is a sin. Every sin is a crime against him. Every sin is deserving of punishment. And the punishment, what we've earned, is death. And this is the only thing I found in the New Testament where it said something we deserve. And it's not happiness. As much as we want it to be, as much as we hope it would be, it's not. It's death. And so you can't undo the bad you've done. That's not how it works. And so as sinners, in God's sight, that's what we deserve, death. 
And yet, that is not the only two verses in the New Testament. This doesn't just have to be a Debbie Downer kind of day. This is, there is good news. In fact, the good news is on each side of those verses that I just read for you. I only read little snippets to prove my point, but these verses go on. Let's read the rest of these statements. Let's go back to Romans chapter 3. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Justified means You've been made right. The law has been fulfilled. Like, if you deserve a crime, that crime has been met. That punishment has been served, okay? And that happened because Jesus died on a cross. We deserve death. Jesus died that death in our place. He took the punishment for your crime and my crime through his grace. And because of that, we have been redeemed. We have redemption with God. We can be reunited back with God, have a right relationship with God. And in Romans chapter 6, Oh, I, I didn't read enough. Here it, says, it goes on. It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So it's through Christ that we are made right with God. And then now we go to Romans chapter 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the what? Gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there's two words that go opposite each other here. Wages and gift. What you have earned and what was given to you that you don't deserve even a little bit. What you wholeheartedly deserve, and what you have received through no good of your own, through no work of your own, it is just given to you as a gift. Those are the two terms that get side by side. And we often get so hung up on what we think we deserve that we overlook the amazing gift that we've been given. Let me say that again. We often get so hung up on what we think we deserve that we overlook the goodness of the gift we have been given. And there is a huge difference that will take place in your life when you go from thinking that you deserve happiness to understanding that you deserve death, but instead of death, God was good enough to give you life and salvation and hope and a future and eternity. And so there's a change that takes place because suddenly your life isn't about what you are owed, it's about God's grace that you have been given. Suddenly, your life isn't about what you are owed, but what you've been given. Suddenly, your life, it's not what you're entitled to, but it's what you've been given, and you can show gratitude for it. You can walk through life not being mad at God and people because they're stealing your happiness and your owed happiness, and because there's always going to be something that can poop on your party. There's always going to be something that can ruin your day. Sometimes big things, sometimes bad things, okay? There's always things that can kind of swipe away your happiness. And so you can walk through life mad because you were entitled to something you didn't get, or you can come humbly to the acknowledgement that you're a sinner, you deserve death, you didn't deserve anything but death, and God in his grace gave you so much more. And when you realize that how good God is to you and how much he's given you that you didn't deserve to get, you can walk through life every single day overwhelmed by, his, by gratitude for his gift rather than stomping around because you're not getting what you think God owes you, which God never promised you happiness anyway. I looked. I really tried to look in Scripture this week to find happiness as a promise because honestly, I wish it was there too, but it's not. And so, there's a huge shift in your mind that takes place. And for those of us who are Christians and we come to church a lot, I try to talk about the gospel a lot. And I try to talk about Jesus every Sunday when we come here. And I try to talk about the gratitude that we should feel as Christians. And my fear is that in talking about it so much, it becomes this, <clears throat> excuse me, it becomes this thing that we think, oh good, the Jesus thing again. Yeah, I get all that. I get all the Jesus stuff. Now just tell me how to be happy, right? 
But what I have learned, the more I realize how bad I am, the more I appreciate the goodness of God. The more I am honest about what I really deserve in life, the more I wake up and go, man, if I deserve death and I wake up every day next to a beautiful face, getting jumped on by two rowdy kids, and I get to come here every, day, every week and use my gifts uh, of speaking, which I do a lot anyway, I get to use my gift for the glory of God. I mean, why does God give me this life? How grateful can I be for good friends and a good church family and, and, and a good wife and a good mom and dad? I mean, I can be, I'm so grateful for all the things God has given me. Or I can be mad that I don't have a nicer car. I had to drive my son to school the other day with no air conditioning. <laughs> don't you feel terrible for me? I could be mad about that. I could be mad that the other day I had two light bulbs go out in my car. You know, it's no fun to change light bulbs. And Alex got pulled over and almost got a ticket because of those light bulbs. I could be mad that those light bulbs didn't stay lit a little longer. I could be mad that one time this week the internet went out. How dare you, media come, <laughs> steal my internet for even five minutes. You know, I could be mad about all the things, or I could see what I really deserve, and I could be joyful over how God has led my life. And above all else, he's allowed me to have a relationship with him. And he's allowed me promises on the other side of death that I can smile and be joyful that my eternity is safe in the arms of Jesus. And so I think the first thing we've got to do on this topic of happiness, again, I'm not attacking happiness. It's fine. It's just not as good as what we're trying to make it to be. It's just not everything we want it to be. Is we've got to take that attitude that we deserve better. We deserve happiness. We deserve a smooth life. And we've got to understand, no, we don't. We deserve far worse than that. Because we've all lied and cheated and stolen and done horrible things. And the things we've done aren't half as bad as the things we've thought about doing. Nobody would want their thoughts put up on the screen and played like a movie any Sunday. Even your thoughts now, you wouldn't want that. Okay? Because some of you are wishing you were on that beach right now. And instead of here listening to me. I get that. I kind of do too. We've all done bad, and we deserve worse, but God in his infinite mercy and grace has loved us and given us something better than happiness, stronger than happiness, and the first thing we've got to do is understand what we really deserve in life, and we can move away from entitlement and move into a life of gratitude for God and his blessings towards us, because happiness makes a lousy mission. It makes a lousy savior for your life. It will always disappoint you when you put that kind of weight on it, but if you walk through life with Jesus, every day you will discover that his generosity and grace is bigger than you thought it to be. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to take communion. And if you servers, if you would please go and prepare. And communion is one of those times when we, we do this together as a church family. And together we remember how great our God is. And we remember how great the grace is that has been shown to us. And when we come to communion, we are all on the same plane. We are all sinners before a gracious God. We are all sinners remembering a good gift that we have been given by God in Christ Jesus. And for all of those of you that are watching on Facebook, I'm sorry, you can't do this with us. That's why you should be at church and not just watching on Facebook. Okay? But as we take communion this morning, I do want you to think how good God's grace is. And how good he has been to you. Yeah, I know. Somebody told you you deserve to be happy. Somebody gave that impression. And maybe you came in here stomping about your car not starting, or the price of gas, or the clothes that you couldn't fit into this morning, or whatever. I don't know. But remember, what you really deserve is death. But what God has really given you is life and redemption in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time to gather in your good name. To remember the sacrifice of Jesus for us. 
that though we were deserving of death, Jesus wiped our slate clean by taking death for us. And I pray that you would help expand our sights beyond what we think we deserve, to look beyond happiness. I know happiness is good. I love being happy. I want everybody here to be happy as much as you would grant that to us. But let us not put too much weight on happiness because it can't carry the weight of life. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us to look beyond what we think we deserve and look at what we've been given by you in your grace and mercy. Help us to be people who appreciate every single day all that we have from you. Let us be people who who don't just think about Jesus and the sacrifice for us on Sundays, but it's the first thing that rushes into our brain on Mondays and Tuesdays and all through the week so that we can wake up and just say, thank you, God, for your grace. May I appreciate it today. May you fill me with gratitude for all that I have today rather than letting us wake up and stomp through life for all the ways that we feel we've been robbed. I would rather be grateful than entitled any day because you have given us far too much to overlook. So give us eyes to see your blessings and a heart to appreciate your blessings. Give us eyes that are willing to break beyond this lie that happiness is all we need and help us to see the truth that there is a wider world out there of grace and peace and freedom that is beyond happiness. And happiness is in there, but it's not the only thing. It's not the main thing. Jesus is. We love you, and we thank you for his sacrifice, and it is in his wonderful, beautiful name that we pray. Amen.